Hey everybody, welcome back to our third installment of our interview with the MindShift podcast great Clint Heacock. We're in this episode we are going to go into reconstruction, which is the act of rebuilding after you've deconstructed. Obviously. This could be like you do to a house or whatever, but we're going to be applying it to our faith and our Christianity. So, welcome to episode 66 of Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. Because this is something that um, I don't even know if I'm even at a place where I'm ready to reconstruct personally. I haven't even decided, you know, what I believe yet. So, so for me, this idea of reconstruction is a little bit foreign, but I'd, I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hugely important for sure. And something I've, I myself, it's not like I'm any kind of expert on it. It's something I've just realized, well... When we did our live podcast, me and Stacy Ray in Seattle back in September, we had a conversation, I think it was around the end of August before I flew over to the States, and we said, what are we going to talk about? We don't even know. But as we discussed things, we said, you know what? We need to talk about this piece of reconstruction. This is hugely important. So we spent our whole podcast there in Seattle talking about this topic, and we had a great discussion with an, a live audience. And um, I've, I've just done a lot of thinking and a lot of tweeting and talking to people on Facebook as well about what have you done? And I've just kind of compiled a whole bunch of stuff that I've heard from other people, like what's been helpful for you. And so I've, I've just kind of I'm making a, an ever growing list, basically, of stuff that I'm now exploring myself. Yeah. But it's all reconstructing your identity. That's the thing. I think that's that's the key piece to it. In dealing with the stuff from your past and then kind of reforming, <laughs> reconstructing, constructing a completely new person. Yeah. Free well, from it's, all the structures of religion. It's not a far out idea. I mean, it's just like with basic problem solving principles, I was always taught as a kid do not bring up a problem if you don't have an answer. Don't address something if you're not willing. Don't don't be the, the crybaby who just says so-and-so's picking on me and I don't like this and I don't like that if you're not willing to to find a solution for it, you know? So this idea of reconstruction, it is important because if we just sit around and complain about what's wrong with the church, we're just wasting our time. If we just sit around and complain about how everything sucks, we're not doing anything but uh, propagating dissension essentially it's like you said earlier it's like uh you eventually transition from anger to hope i mean even if it's even if the it comes down to you just have to stop focusing on the church altogether you gotta get healthy mentally first after all of that and then then maybe you're ready to start reconstruction or maybe you just become a healthy person after that. That's the honest goal of deconstruction and reconstruction is to become a healthy person after a traumatic event. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. And, and you can look at those two aspects we talked about. You're deconstructing your relationship with the church and your own theological views and biblical views. It's, it's helpful to sit around and have a discussion with somebody and say, okay, this is something that I talked about with Sam Morse from the Out of Eden podcast, and he always asked his guests, he said, what, he says, what did you believe and what do you believe now? 
and what how how are those hmm. views changed and why? Yeah. What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about God? What do you think about the church? What do you think about spirituality? What do you think about theology, salvation, LGBTQ? Has your views have your views changed and how and why? And you can start to you go, wow, man, I've changed a lot. And I didn't even realize how much I've changed. Now, the and question the question that I have is where does that leave you? You know, say specifically, like when I'm talking about hell, I don't believe in an eternal conscious torment anymore. I don't know what I think about hell. Um, I think, like I said earlier, the Pharisees and Sadducees even had their disagreements on, you know, eternal life versus Sheol, which is just the grave. Um, so, so what do I think about heaven and hell? I don't know. Now, I don't believe in an eternal hell. Where does that leave me? Does that leave me in a place where, because I believe there has to be truth in this matter somewhere. Now, do am I just forever in this place where I don't know, but this is what I believe? Because in that case, like, you know, I don't feel very sturdy in that answer. Like, am I just going to be constantly in this place of, I don't know, could be right, could be wrong. <laughs> I don't like that answer. I want to find a definitive answer, but I don't know if there's one out there. Well, and there's a couple of pieces that I'm that I'm hearing in your in your statement. One of the things is that there that there has to be an answer. I think that's the legacy of of evangelicalism that there is an answer, and we've got to find that answer. But look at what you just said. Your views have shifted from where they were before, and that in itself is profound. That you don't believe something that you used to really cling to before. That in itself is huge. So you're on it. You're clearly on a journey, aren't you? you? You've moved. You've shifted. You're not the same person you were six months, a year, two years ago, ten years ago, in terms of your beliefs and where you're going. I don't know, you know. But yeah. the fact you are on, you're clearly on a journey. Otherwise, you'd be yes. still, you know, spending eternal conscious torment in hell from the Bible. So yeah. that's huge. It is, yeah, yeah. But there, I think there's people out there. This it. The point is being brought to my mind by uh, something I saw on your Twitter earlier where um, someone was like, I don't like Reconstruction. I think it's it sucks. It shouldn't be a thing. But I think that really the, the perspective they were coming from is that they've probably encountered – there are a lot of Christians out there that are like trying to hop on the fad of deconstruction and they're like, Oh man, so you don't believe in hell anymore? Okay, well when are you going to reconstruct that belief to be the same as like, you know – some major philosoph philosophically held idea. Like they would talk to Keith, like, when are you going to reconstruct that belief? And I mean, to tell you the truth, a lot of people out there are like, I don't ever want to put it back together. I think it sucks. Yeah. I, I just, I deconstructed that part of my life because I don't like it and I don't want it to exist. But I think some people from the Christian circle or the evangelical circle rather are trying to hop outside into the evangelical camp and like, oh man, reconstruction. Yeah, let's build back up all that crappy stuff that you tore down so you can be like us again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that I think a lot of people have encountered those types of uh, evangelicals that are like, you got to build it back up, man. Got to build your faith back up. Let me help you with that so we can put it back together exactly like it was. And that's that's, that, that's 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 also toxic, and that's also the reason we deconstructed it in the first place. 
Yeah, well, and it's like today I tweeted about how have how has spirituality been beneficial to you in your reconstruction? I just put a question out there, and the range of responses I got was kind of similar to what you guys were just mentioning with this whole reconstruction piece. Some people were like, oh, it's a bunch of superstitious nonsense. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And someone said, well, I'm, I'm not into spirituality. If it means reconnecting with God, forget that. You know, I had enough of that in church. But other people were like, man, spirituality is hugely important. Meditation, centering prayer, it's been massively helpful. Oh, yeah. Look look at the range, the spectrum of responses yeah. that you get from one pretty simple question. So I think spirituality is a huge part of Reconstruction, but clearly it's going to mean different things for different people. And there's a lot of baggage from our past, the toxic spirituality, and so we got to deal with that. So that's back to re- deconstruction, and then we reconstruct it, you know. So yeah. it's it's both are equally important. It's an ongoing process. It's a journey, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I, re- re- I think reconstruction is, I mean, I'm kind of just repeating what you said, but I process externally. So for me to understand something, I have to talk about it. It can't do, my brain can't do it by itself, but (laughs) that's true (laughs) is like it. Reconstruction is more about laying hold of a new identity than it is about putting your belief system back together. It's more of, you know, cause like you can still be totally confused about almost everything and be in a, I think you can still reconstruct even if you're completely confused about everything because you're searching for the person that you want to be and you're trying to make strides from where you're at after you just ripped everything apart towards that person. And you're using the experiences that you ripped apart, you know, all the materials that you now have from ripping all your old beliefs apart to build that new person or build the the path to being that new person. I think I think reconstruction is more about identity and who am I going to become versus um, what do I believe? If I mean, that's a huge part of it. It's pretty central to it. But at the very, very root of it, it's who is who am I going to become, I think. Yeah. And think about it's so difficult to, to just live life without automatically going back into the groove of how, how we used to make decisions. And you know, automatically think about when I, when I have to make a decision, I pray about it. That's what I always did. Or I, I check the Bible and I see, is there anything in the Bible about this? What's God's will on this? What I don't have to think that way anymore, but it's kind of retraining my mind. Exactly. To live totally differently without all the normal props that I used to. Re- but of course, they weren't props when I was in the system. They were everything. Yeah. I needed to pray because it was super important to get it right. I mean, I can remember agonizing and praying, God, what is your will? What do you want me to do? major decisions and not getting an answer and not knowing what to do. And now if I, we just talk about it and make what seems to be a good decision the best we can. And if there's, you know, consequences of, of our decision, we have to deal with it. But <laughs> I don't pray about every little decision that I make. Well, I'll, just, I'll give you, I'll give you an example for my life because I totally understand where you're coming from there. I don't really pray. Like I, I don't really pray a lot. Um, now, there are some times where, like, specifically, like, when I'm going through a tough time, like, you know, I, I'm getting real, like, emotional because I can't sleep at night. Like, some, I, I have, like, sleep anxiety, and sometimes I can't go to sleep. The last three nights, I think I haven't gotten to bed till, like, 2 a.m., 
just because I lay in bed and I just cannot fall asleep. And it's, it's not that I'm not trying to sleep. I just can't like I'm laying there, but my brain just isn't shutting off. So like out of habit, I want to go back to just praying. I I just want to, I'm laying there till two in the morning and I want to just sit there and pray about it. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to just do that because my psyche is telling me that. And that's why I want to get into like what you're saying about spirituality. Um, you say spirituality is incredibly important. In what ways have you incorporated it, incorporated this into your life in healthy and holistic ways? I think spirituality is important, but um, there are some uh, psychiat like an atheist, atheist psychiatrist or um, anthropologist who would say that the reason that it's so hard to stop becoming a Christian and to why it's so hard to get your mindset out of religion is because it go delves deep into your psyche with like spirituality and like like I was talking about like when I'm laying in bed and can't sleep my psyche tells me like oh I need to pray about this because that's going to be the answer but maybe it's not maybe it is I don't know but um there are those anthropologists and those psychologists who will say that is that is the reason why it's so hard to break the habit of religion because it goes deep into the internal uh, voids of who you are. And it's hard to break that. When you take a habit and make it such a big part of your life that if this were to not be there, your entire life either wouldn't function or it would look exponentially different. Uh, yeah, well, you plug the God piece in there to it too because yeah. it's not just... It's not just meditating like a mantra on a, a lotus flower or something, you know, that doesn't mean anything. You're actually in our evangelicalism, you are praying to God, this omniscient, all-powerful being that we are told is 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 personally invested and interested in every aspect of our lives. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and he's so concerned about everything. If you're not sleeping, you need to pray, and he'll help you go to sleep. He's yeah. that. He's that invested on every you know lowest possible level and that's why we need to pray about everything pray without ceasing you know that kind of stuff yeah and it's so hard to 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 disentangle ourselves from just falling into those old grooves yeah because like stuff so all the way to the psyche level It's, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly difficult you know but but you know they've done studies that neurologists have shown that Meditation, no matter what a religion or just a, a mantra or whatever, actually helps us to kind of it changes the neurology of our brain, helps us to relax, helps yeah. us to center, focus, and so it helps us to be less reactive in situations in life. You know, so there are spiritual quote practices we can do that are totally non-religious that help us. You know, kind of build up that spiritual muscle. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, but, and I I still meditate. I don't do it in the same way. I don't meditate from a spiritual aspect. Uh, most of it is like, you know, accessing your headspace and getting into uh, your own mind and your thinking and uh, process. Pr- essentially, it's processing uh, yeah. the thoughts of your day, stuff like that. Yeah, I still meditate. I don't do it from a spiritual aspect anymore. But yeah, there are aspects of meditation that you have in religion and Christianity. You know, you go to a worship set and you're you disconnect from everything around you and you're focused on you know the swells and the pads and the you know little electric guitar leads and 
you create an atmosphere where you are able to disconnect. And I don't think, you know, and this is why I'm at a tough spot right now, because I don't know, I'm not ready to reconstruct because I don't know what to reconstruct. I don't know what the hell I believe anymore. So like, can I, can I reconstruct what it looks like to go to a worship set? If I'm not even sure if those things are divine, I don't, I don't know. Can I, can I reconstruct what it means to take the Bible and apply it to my life when I don't know what in the Bible I hold as truth? I can't do that. That's why I'm at a point where I might be different from you guys in the aspect of I don't know what to reconstruct. <laughs> but I if think you... it's important to focus on how, how you have already changed. And like I said before, okay. you know, talking to my sister, she, she, and it's, it's these moments, these experiences that we have when we have an experience and then we, it suddenly hits us, my God, I've changed so much. She was telling me about, she went out for a drink with a coworker uh, last year from work and they had a great time. They had a beer. They had a great laugh about a lot of stuff. They went home and on the way home, it hit her. Wait a minute. I didn't once think about, hey, I need to build a relationship with her so I can evangelize <laughs> the gospel. Yeah. It never. I just had a good time with a friend and that those kind of moments make you go, Whoa, I've come a long way. I've actually, I have reconstructed. Maybe I didn't think of it that I was doing that, but I no longer believe things that I used to, I don't live and I don't act the way I used to act. I don't treat other people the way I used to. I don't view them as, you know, projects for evangelism. It's, it's, I can just enjoy people and, and get to know them as friends, genuinely as friends without any sort of agenda. And that's hugely freeing. And that's that's a big part of the reconstruction, I guess. I didn't know I was doing it, but I was. I am. That's true. Like, take your eyes off the big theological pictures. And I know Ben has something to say. I, I can see it in his eyes. I'll let him talk after this. But I think that's a, that's a good point. Take your eyes off the big theological things and stop worrying so much about what you believe or don't believe in take a step back and look at how you have changed and how you have grown. I like that. Are reconstructing actually We've done good. quite a bit of it. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. Tricked All right. Ben, Ben's got something to say. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that's, uh, that story that you told about your sister is like being able to go out and have, a dinner with someone like that and not think once about like their eternal soul in eternal torment or, you know, how the gospel is going to change their life. That that's a, that's, that's like what to me reconstruction is, is that you, you're again, becoming a healthy person without you put your ability to have friends back together without that element of this person might burn in hell forever. You know, you just like you deconstructed it and you found the pieces you didn't want and you put it back together. Now I have healthy friendships and there's not this negative like guilt and weight on me and every friendship I have to save their eternal soul. It's as simple as that. Reconstruction doesn't have to be a complicated uh, like, oh, well, let me I got to sit down and rewrite it. So in the beginning, God, no, I don't even know if I believe in God, you know, you don't, you don't have to rewrite the whole Bible yeah. for you specifically to like map out your beliefs. It's just, it's the little things that 
you learn how to replug into the world without some of those negativities that came from fundamentalism. Um, it, it's it like like you're talking about it. Just it kind of happens, and you're not realizing it as you just become this new person. Uh, it's almost like reconstruction yeah. is unavoidable. Like if you just, I mean, yeah. it, it you could just be really unhealthy. Like you don't interact with people. You don't have friends anymore. You don't think happy thoughts. You don't enjoy life. You just stay in a miserable, you, you're just as miserable as the day you left church. You yeah. just don't believe any of it anymore. It, it, but that's not the natural process for a human is when, when. Like you'd have to force yourself to stay in that spot. Yeah. Or just surrender yourself to your anger and like let it rule your life. Yeah. But as you, as you just, once you empty yourself, it's only natural for you to hardly without even thinking about it, to fill yourself back up with a normal life. You're just missing some of those toxic pieces that were there from your fundamental life. Like for me, yeah. for me, and this is, I'm, I'm not, I, I, my favorite part about this whole deconstruction thing is that I'm not guilt. I don't feel any amount of guilt for anything that nope. I believe anymore. It's just what I really believe. Um, what I believe is what I believe. And I'm proud of it. You yeah. Know? Like, and I, I personally, I'm still at a place where like, I don't necessarily to get deep and then get shallow again. I, I do believe in some kind of eternal justice, whether that's conscious torment. I don't necessarily know where I stand on that, but I, I do think about that in some element of my life, like where I, I I'm with my friends while I'm with them. I'm not thinking about hell. I'm not thinking about, you know, Jesus crying and bleeding on a cross. I'm thinking about them and I just love them. But like when I go home at night and I think about it, I'm like, man, I really believe that Jesus is who he says he was. And at least he meant that he has a plan for everybody and wants to be a part of their life. So th that's where my scrubbing has gotten me down to about that point. And so I still think about those things, but I'm okay with that being who I am. You know, that's like, I, I, I've scrubbed far enough. I mean, if, if that falls apart later on because someone presents some new information, that's cool. But the fact is that where your sister's at or where Keith is at or where I'm at, none of us have to say – now that things are taken apart for me is just because I'm reconstructing and it looks different than Keith doesn't mean either one of us are doing it wrong. That's the biggest thing And it thing doesn't that mean that we of. have to degrade – yeah, exactly. The other one because any, it looks any different. Anyone who yeah. is listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe his sister didn't think about eternal damnation <laughs> in her friendships. Like that type of <laughs> that, that type of mentality is what's stopping healthy spirituality. Yeah. Is I should be totally that fine with the fact that she feels that way, even if I feel differently, because I don't know, I just trust God almighty, if he's almighty, he's going to, he's going to figure it out. You know what I mean? We're all just on a journey and I, I don't, it's not my responsibility to control how people reconstruct their lives. I have absolutely zero desire to do so because that's completely unhealthy and it'll get me right back where I was. So as far as something that I've been reconstructing is that as I see people and I meet people on journeys like you, Clint and Keith and everybody that we talk to on Facebook and Twitter is that I do not want, I, I want to play a role in the conversation of deconstruction, but reconstruction is not my responsibility and it's not my place to even step into that realm. I can help people deconstruct 
in a healthy way. But when it comes to them putting themselves back together, that's got to be between God and them or the universe and them or whatever, (laughs) spirituality in them, whatever that looks like, it's got to be out of my hands or we're going to end up right back where we started. Yeah, and you never know what you're going to get into. I mean, I was thinking when I was talking about how as a builder, I have to tear things down before I can rebuild them. Part of the thing is, is when you're tearing stuff out, you uncover stuff that you you can't see because it's behind other things, and you find mistakes that other people have made in the past, and you have to deal with that as you're tearing, you're deconstructing, and you have to you've got to go keep keep if you find dry rot or structural problem, you ha- you can't just cover it up with a with paint and call it good. I mean, yeah, to do yeah. it right, you have to all the way down as far as it needs to go. And you can't know what you're going to uncover until you start tearing stuff out and you, then you start building it back up. So part of that is, is having to do the painful stuff of ripping things out and uncovering more shit and more stuff, but it's part of the process. Yeah. And then you're actually, you're reconstructing as you're doing that. You just don't really know it. (laughs) No, that's good. Yeah. No, it's it's a, if if you've given any uh, pastoral advice to me today, it's that. That was the one, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's just I I just like in as we're taking everything apart, I don't want to rebuild the same broken system that's gonna you know like exactly. I want whatever someone reconstructs, I want it to be what they believe, not what I influence them to believe, because then they're just gonna have to deconstruct that somewhere later in their life, if I'm helping someone reconstruct air quotes that you can't see, if I'm helping someone reconstruct and I put my beliefs in there in the foundation, eventually that stuff's going to rot again because it's not what they believe. It's what I influence them to believe. So it requires a huge level of trust to let the people that you love reconstruct without you because it has to be without you. They've got to develop some, their own belief, what they really believe about it. And if, you know, to the loving grandparents out there that are tempted to manipulate their kids. If you don't let them, if you don't trust them to find God, then I promise you that they never will because you're going to be on their back. That's true. Like letting them know that God isn't worth having. And they'll probably reject it anyway because it's the same principle, isn't it? They have no ownership of that deconstruction and reconstruction. Those kids have no ownership over their shallow christian faith that's why so many of them walk away yeah when they get into college or whatever and they they go to their first science class and the professor says the earth is billions of years old and they their head explodes you know yeah. Wait, the earth <laughs> yeah. is years old no 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 this isn't right <laughs> at all and they the world's not 14 million out. years old it's six thousand. what are you talking about yeah yeah young earth creationism no no darwin <laughs> is the antichrist yeah, <laughs> some kid gets the middle school biology, and they're like, "A teacher, are you talking about microevolution or macroevolution?" Because I I need to talk. Yeah. We need to talk if it's macroevolution. Oh, Charles Darwin. I've heard of him. <laughs> uh, basically, is worse than yeah. He's the Satan. He's he's the evil. Well, yeah. You know, but the Anti-Christ, same way, the same way that an overbearing parent sets that child up for absolute like nuclear explosions whenever they send them out into the world the same thing happens in churches all the time that pastors give people such an airlocked faith that when they go outside and experience people with other ideas they're like oh my god i need to make a sign and go to some university and scream at people 
Like, I mean, it just, it's yeah, nuclear much. and it's terrible. <laughs> Not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. And that's the thing is that you got to have ownership of it. Whatever exactly. it looks like for you or for it's going to be totally different. That's why I say deconstruction looks different for everybody. Yeah. Because my journey cannot be yours and yours cannot be mine. We have a lot of shared common experiences, mm-hmm. which are great to talk about, but there's no way I got to go on my own path. You have to go on your own path and exactly. I can help you. You can help me. Yeah. And that's what I think this community is all about yeah. is shared experiences and, and, and building that empowering kind of community. That's why it's so important to have that community. Yeah. Yeah. Community is huge because without it, we fall apart or we fall back into the same structures that we did before. I mean, or patterns or whatever. You've got to be able to sit and talk with someone who understands what you're going through, where you're coming from, um, and not necessarily give you all the answers, but just be there for support, if nothing else. That's huge. That's hugely important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having just having a group of people around you that can help shape you and talk to you. Um, and, and the thing is, in this ex-evangelical, empty-the-pews um, type of atmosphere, it's not necessarily like, down with the church, the church sucks. I mean, you've got those people, but at the same time, I, I feel like a lot of it is, well, let's just figure out. Let's just be honest. I was listening to a podcast, um, actually a podcast my buddy does the other day, and, you know, they're... they're uh, they're pretty evangelical and there's nothing wrong with them for being that way. But one thing that they said, which is something I used to believe, which, but is it, when I think about it now, it's just insane. They're talking about, do not let watch, watch who you let influ who you hang out with, because those are going to be the people who influence your life. And you don't want to hang out with certain people who believe or act or do or talk certain ways too much because if you hang out with someone who drinks too much you'll probably become an alcoholic or you hang out with someone who cusses you'll probably start using the devil's speech or you know like you have to restrict your friend group and you have to restrict the people who you let influence and and uh, affect your life because they're somehow going to turn you into into like you know everything god hates but i don't think it's that's way it's that way I look into a lot of religion. I look into a lot of like, you know, anthropology and cosmology and science and looking into all these different theories of why we're here. Dude, I've even looked into simulation theory, as crazy as that sounds. And the thing is, I'm not afraid to look at different things. I'm not afraid to say, oh, let's look at this theory or let's look at that religion and see what they say. Let's look at, you know, this scientist and see what he has to say about evolution. I don't think it's wrong to look at those things and to properly judge those things yourselves because I don't I don't think that, you know, listening to um reading a Stephen Hawkins book is gonna turn me into an atheist. I don't you know, it's just it's preposterous. That's where you're wrong. It's preposterous to <laughs> to, to to have that kind That's of mindset. Weird. That's why you're going to hell, you see. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Stephen Hawking's fault. Yeah, well, he's he's dead, so he's in hell too. Yeah, yeah. According oh, according to most Christians, Gosh. I'll meet him there. Dang, <laughs> man, that's heavy. Jeez. 
It's unbelievable, man. Yeah. Like they're so threatened. That's so threatened by, but yet, you know, your analogy of the, the friendship and, and not have, but the, aren't, aren't, aren't we told in evangelicalism that we're supposed to be friends with non-believers? How else are we going to evangelize them? But yet you can't be friends with them because they might drag you down. I mean, it's a no win. That's my we, favorite the, argument to have with Christians. I love beating them in that argument. <laughs> I, I feel like I win every time. Even if I don't, I feel like I do when I'm like, you know, that the obviously like in the 90s, that bracelet or even before that, just the what would Jesus do? That wins so many yep. arguments against evangelicals when they're like, but, but, and I'm like, well, what would Jesus do? And they're like, well, he would. Uh, look at this other verse that says, no, 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 not a verse. Just think about him and who he is and then think about what he would do. And you're like, well, this verse says, I'm like, if you say verse one more time, <laughs> just think about the guy. Yeah, I mean, you know it. You're just really dancing around the fact that you know that it's totally fine, that, that our churches should be filled with swearing drunk people. You know that's the way that it should be. We should be reaching people that are hurt and broken not people that are uh, – and then they usually well, walk away right then. That's usually when they walk away. Well, the problem is that you never – with that mindset, you never form – evangelicalism never forms true relationships. It never does. And I was a – Ulterior motives. I was – yeah, it is. I was a Christian leader for years. For four, four or five years, I was a big leader in the church that I was a part of, and – Every kid I reached out to in youth group, every person I formed a relationship in my personal life, there was always ulterior motive. Every conversation I was having, I was trying to find an avenue, some way I could weasel Jesus into the conversation so that I could form a friendship and ultimately get this person saved. I was never focused on really becoming friends with him. Maybe some of them I really did. But when I was just trying to make disciples or make other Christians, my goal was to form a relationship with this person so so I could get them saved, not so I could be friends with them. Yeah, real friendship happened on accident. It was really about getting them saved. Yeah. <laughs> you made disciples. If, if you got really to, lucky, you made a friend. That was the problem. And if they didn't want to hear the gospel, the relationship was over. The friendship yep, was yep. over. So it wasn't a friendship in the first place. It was a manipulative uh, thing with an agenda attached to it. That's why, you know, my sister's story is such an amazing one because that's when it hit her. Whoa, I didn't even think about it. Whereas before, the the whole point of having that, well, you wouldn't have a drink probably because that's evil too, but mm -hmm. <laughs> having dinner with your friend after was for the purpose of building a relationship so that you can share the gospel eventually at some point. And yeah. she never even thought about it. And then it hit her how different everything had, had become. So, yeah, that's a massive step. Yeah. Huge. Absolutely so, huge. Relationship completely defined. Yeah. So I, I have one more question for you before we let you go. Um, and this is, uh, okay. I want to pose this question, not even, this is your actually last bullet point here, not just to you, not just to me, not just to Ben, but for anyone listening to this right now. Um, I, I want everyone to, to really think about this question because here on the podcast, I don't want to just talk about how much the church sucks. You know, that's the whole reason I wanted to get in this reconstruction so we could figure out, like, where do we go from here? Yes, we know church sucks. We know... That's easy. Yeah, that's Duh. that's an that's an easy point <laughs> assumption to come to. But how do we move on from here? So with this last question that you had, you said, when we are triggered by certain things from our past, how have we found healthy and productive ways to deal with those sorts of experiences? 
And I like that question. Yeah, that's a difficult one because, I, again, I hear a lot of stuff from people that say, well, it's, it's when you're blindsided and you're not – obviously, you're not ready for it. Something happens, you hear a song or you pass – my sister said, you know, she passes passes by a church and she gets upset and angry. And it's just – it's those triggering kind of experiences and then you have to go back and deal with it. And I think part of that – a big part of the reconstruction piece is is figuring out ways that we can – that when we're triggered, because it will happen, it's not if, it's when, that yeah. we are able to process and actually figure out healthy ways to work through those things. And, and that, maybe that's part of having that community, because you can say, my God, is anyone else feeling the same way as me? And a lot of people will, will pipe up and say, yeah, yeah, absolutely, me too. And so that's, that's a helpful, it's very empowering, because, you, again, you're not alone. You're not the only one that's having these experiences. Yeah, but you might again therapy. You might need counseling to talk about it because these things can be very debilitating for people. Uh, it's unbelievable yeah. how how traumatic some things have been. I mean, sexual abuse and spiritual abuse, and it's just it's sad hearing these stories from people. Mm-hmm. And then they have to deal with being triggered, and so they got to figure out how to deal, how to help in healthy ways, how to work through those things. Okay, so here's a, a pretty good analogy. My wife works with. Uh, with children, and so she has to figure specifically with children who have anger issues or something like that. She works with kids who are too young to really fully comprehend what's going on. So she has to figure out their triggers, right? So when she's dealing with a child who has anger problems, he seemingly randomly just gets up and, you know, starts punching kids, or a girl who seemingly just starts bawling out of nowhere. You have to evaluate, you have to look, um, and it, it's hard to do on an inward perspective. That's why I feel like it's really good to have community because you can mm-hmm. some you have someone there who can kind of evaluate you as well. But you have to figure out what those triggers are. Just like my wife has to evaluate her kids and figure out, all right, what's causing little Jimmy to start throwing toys at all of his classmates? What's What's causing little Lily to randomly start crying and want to go home in the middle of class. You know, we have to look inside of ourselves and say, all right, what's causing me to be pissed off at this pastor right now? Because obviously I don't know him. He hasn't done anything to me. What did he say? What am I struggling with? Maybe it's just the fact that I'm in church and just feel uncomfortable with it. You know, like we have to figure out what our triggers are and figure out how to properly deal with those. Like you said, whether it's going to counseling, whether it's having um, just really close friends who you can confide in, you know, whether it's going home and talking to your significant other um, and getting counseling that way, or whether it's, you know, finding ways to meditate, whether it's deciding, finding a church you want to get back into and get that healing from God, or yeah. Maybe just getting that healing from God on your own because you don't need a church to have a relationship with God. Yeah, I, I f- for me, I mean, or or you could just you could learn to uh, you know have a healthy, uh, but also angry and maybe swear words in your prayers because you're just you're able to be honest with you know the God that you look up to is no longer mad at you all the time and you're like, hey, what? In the holy hell, bro. What what's your what is going on here? You know, <laughs> that is that's that's a very offensive cuss word. There, I mean, I've never yeah. heard anyone say anything more cuss worthy. Yeah, no, I said it to God. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I was talking to Steve Austin a couple podcasts ago. He's an author that we interviewed. And he, and I was talking to him beforehand. He was asking about cussing on the podcast. And I was like, dude, I don't care. You can say whatever you want. Um, and we were talking about that for a second. And he said, you know, sometimes there there's no other better word for a situation than the properly placed fuck bomb. You know, like <laughs> whether you're praying to God, whether you're having a conversation, you know, yeah. sometimes there's no better way to describe something than, than, than you know, throwing that word in there that derives passion and um the just the general feel of what you're what you're getting across yeah but i feel like if there's anyone that's safe to swear around it's the guy that can just see right to your heart instead of ha- there's there's no understanding there's no mis- we should be more comfortable cussing around god than anybody else i i i kind of feel that way yeah i mean maybe that's what i call me weird but like i still believe in god but i believe in that type of a god that is like has way bigger concerns than yeah did you just say that when you were talking to me (laughs) you watch your mouth young man you know like it just i the the healthy God that I've reconstructed is totally cool with me in any form that I come to him in. And if, yeah. if that's dropping rapid fire submachine gun F bombs, because I'm really upset, then he's like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you came to me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's where I'm at in my journey. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, uh, we finished all the. We finished. Well, we didn't go through all the bullet points. We got a lot of them. We got most of them. Yeah, we did. We did. I I had a really good conversation. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah, I loved it. I was. Yeah. This is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Everything. It lived up to the hype. <laughs> and it, it even exceeded the hype. Indeed. Surely yeah. it must have exceeded. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was great. Very do you have cool. any? Do you have any final points you want to make? Well. um, I think the whole thing is I go back to that analogy. Sometimes you got to tear things down before you build them back up and you're going to find stuff as you're tearing it down that you didn't expect. Uh, but having that community is huge. I think that that's absolutely huge. You got to have someone, at least one other person that you can, ha- you can talk to, even if it's online, Yeah. someone who gets where you're coming from because going through it alone is, is not very healthy and it's not very helpful. It's very, it's a very lonely place, literally. So yeah, yeah. find that community, find some support somewhere. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. Awesome. Well, go ahead and tell everyone uh, where they can reach you, where they can find your podcast. They can get a hold of you if they have any questions about, you know, reconstruction and anything that that is related to it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MindShift2018. I am on uh, iTunes and Podbean. As well, if you're an Android person, I've also been writing a lot of stuff on Medium lately. So I've got a few articles that I've been putting up there that I'm kind of getting some things out there about why is it so hard for people to leave religion and um, different things like that. And so, you know, you can get a hold of me there. You can follow me on Twitter and send me a message. And that would be cool if you'd, uh, I'd love to hear from people. Awesome, Awesome, man. Well, until we have you on again, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I've been totally enjoyed it. Hey, no problem. We Anytime. Same here. Same here. Totally enjoyed it as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Yep, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Well, that is going to 
whoa, 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 whoa. Let me adjust this now. <laughs> that is going to conclude this series on re- de- reconstruction after deconstruction. Um, I've had a great time in this conversation talking with uh, Clint, who, you know, like we said before, is ex-pastor, all that stuff, seems to know what he's doing here. Um, ben, do you have any last comments to make on this whole conversation we had? Um, I loved it. Yeah. Is that is that deep enough? Is that, Was that philosophical? That was pretty philosophical. No, I mean, I feel like we... Uh, we aired out a ton of philosophy in that conversation. I'm, I'm philosophied out, but I really enjoyed it. I was, I've been so jealous that you're on that episode with him and I didn't get to be. So I'm very, very vindicated that I got to be on this one. Yeah. Now you kind of got back at me a little bit. Uh, not, not back at you. I just I got a, a taste of a hearty discussion. Yeah. I mean, I knew you guys would, would really uh, kick it off being yeah. both in that pastoral kind of, but, mindset but i'm gonna have to cut out of here keith all right you get out of here tell what do you what do you have to say to our listeners what do uh, you, you don't talk to them anymore ben no uh the same thing that i always say is if you listen to this whole podcast i love you because you must love me and the things that i care about and if there was ever an episode where it would have been hard to listen to the end this wasn't one of them this was a pretty good one this but was. i still I, I bet there's more people here at the end than there normally are and now that you're here, I love you too. Now, the fam- this family of end of podcast viewers is growing, and I love <laughs> you all. And just think, you're missing this usually every time, guys. Yeah. So listen to him all the way through. No, I'm just kidding. If you're uh, a words of affirmation person, if you're ever thinking about turning off an episode, just fast forward to the end, and I'll tell you that I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, peace off. Peace off. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our interviews with the great Clint Heacock. I hope you've enjoyed following this for the last three weeks. As as I said in the last two as well, um, please submit to us via email, via Facebook message, Twitter, IM me, tweet me, whatever you want to do, and let us know your stories of deconstruction and reconstruction we really want to share those we want to read not review them (laughs) we want to read those and uh we really just want to feel like we're really going through this journey with you and likewise you with us because we want to interact with you guys on that note go to our facebook join our facebook group uh we post like and follow our page because we post all of our updates on facebook um, as well as Twitter. So you can head over to Twitter and you can follow us on there as well if you want to do that. Um, until we meet again, peace off and love you. <laughs>